Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Resilience of the Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Stevie G. This podcast is primarily geared to provide listeners with tangible concepts that they can relate to, as well as using their personal lives. Each episode is unique as we bring down-to-earth guests with many perspectives and practical advice. It's for anyone that needs that nudge to push through life and align with their passions. We hope that you are able to enjoy each episode just as much as we do. Feel free to follow us on all social media platforms and share this podcast with someone you know. Because we all have our successes and failures, but getting through the storm is the most rewarding. So for now, sit back and pour yourself a glass. Resilience on the rocks. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Stevie G, and welcome back to another episode of Resilience on the Rocks. With me today, I have a special guest, Aubrey Wren. How I met him. Actually, I was talking to uh, one of my good buddies, uh, Christopher Jose, Massarn in the Marine Corps, and he was talking about, you know, finding, you know, individuals to get on the podcast. And he says, have you talked to Aubrey Wren? And I knew nothing about him, but when I looked him up, I found out that we had mutual friends and I heard really good things. So I was able to reach out to him. So a little bit about him before he introduces himself. Aubrey is a retired Marine, first sergeant, right, from Danville, Virginia. And now he's currently the owner of Proven Valor Professionals. So before I take any more of your thunder, Aubrey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, uh, Stevie. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Aubrey, yeah, there? can you hear me? Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate it. Um, appreciate the, the opportunity to be able to do this. So, uh, yeah, so a little bit about me. I, I um I, I just retired this past November, um, almost 22 years in the Marine Corps. Um, it was, uh, was an interesting journey for sure. Uh, I'm sure everyone that, that has exited the military in some way, shape or form, um, has had a similar experience. You know, we all have our own stories and our own experiences that we kind of pull off of. But, um, yeah, I started out, uh, I was born in Newport News, Virginia. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, um, my parents separated and we moved to Danville, Virginia, my mother and I, um, and that's where I grew up. So um, we grew up on the south side, um, right near a, um, a neighborhood, little, you know, um, projects called Cardinal Village. So if you're familiar with the area, you might know where that's at. Um, but I was the oldest of three coming up, you know, uh, kind of been uh, been the uh, the so-called man of the house for for, you know, a lot of my my childhood years. So I had to grow up really fast and um, had a lot of experiences uh, in, in an environment that that not a lot of people, you know, that look like me or that have the the background, you know, that I have uh, or that are doing what I'm doing now may, may have had. So, um, but I'm sure we'll get into all that as well. Oh yeah. So walk me through that. So, you know, being born in Newport news, moving to Danville, Virginia, for, for anybody who's listening, who is not familiar with those two areas, walk them through that. And then you mentioned, you know, at a young age, being the man of the house, please tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, if, if, you know, people that aren't kind of familiar with, you know, the service in the, in the Marine Corps. So I started out, um, you know, January of 2001. I uh, left Danville and, and went to Marine Corps recruit training uh, there at Paris Island, uh, South Carolina, and then went on to, you know, MCT. Uh, and then my MOS school after that, which was to be a, a field artillery cannoneer. And I was an artilleryman for the first 16 years of my career. Um, then, you know, I had the opportunity to deploy to Iraq uh, a couple of times, Afghanistan. Um, I did a, uh, a tour as an instructor at Marine Corps Security Forces Training Company in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, had a great time. And that's kind of where I, 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 I say, bug, right, because I, I kind of came to the realization that teaching and, um, you know, helping others learn. You know, that was something that, that I didn't know that I had a gift for, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then follow on, um, later on, I went to uh, 
SOR School of Infantry East uh, as a combat instructor. And I, I did that for four years, ended up going to go teach at combat instructor school, and then took over my last year as the chief of combat instructor school at School of Infantry East. Probably, uh, if not the most, one of the most fulfilling um, tours in my career. Um, definitely got to influence and, and, you know, add a lot of value to countless number of Marines and, and I enjoyed it. I had a blast. Um, so, um, and then when I left SOI, I uh, went to Hawaii. I got stationed in Hawaii. I was there for only 10 months because I got selected for first sergeant. Uh, I got promoted. Um, and then started my journey as a first sergeant in Camp Pendleton, California. Um, and that's where I, you know, ended up retiring out of. Uh, my wife is also active duty Marine. Uh, she's a, a logistics instructor at Camp Johnson here in Jacksonville, North Carolina. She's phenomenal. Um, she runs circles around me, makes me look horrible. <laughs> um, that's awesome. But the, uh, yeah, so that's, and then, like I said, you know, I, um, I retired in November and I was, uh, I was actually doing a, a, a corporate fellowship uh, with USAA and um, through the Hiring Our Heroes Corporate Fellowship Program. And uh, I got a call from one of my buddies, uh, Jeff Sabins, who he and I worked together at School of Infantry. And um, he said, hey, I, you know, see you retiring. When are you retiring? Asked me some questions. You know, it was like, hey, do you want to come into business with me and, and help me grow this this business? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it's a coaching, consulting, training and development, which is the stuff that I had enjoyed majority of my time in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and I took, you know, that opportunity. Um, and I was only about a month into my, my corporate fellowship, you know, and I started gaining some knowledge and insight from him on, you know, what he did on the on the daily, you know, getting on, on consulting calls. Um, you know, doing all types of analysis of business processes for clients. And it was just something that I, thir- I mean, you know, taking the data, breaking it all down, trying to find ways to improve uh, systems and processes and things that clients had in place or didn't have in place. Um, and then helping them get better, helping their businesses and their organizations grow and get better. And, and that's what I'm doing today. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. There you go. So I'll start with this. My first unit was with artillery, and as a comm guy, I was with the headquarters uh, section, and we didn't do anything cool. Uh, it wasn't until I got sent to the battery, Bravo Battery One Twelve, is where I really had a good time and realized what artillery does. And I realized it doesn't matter your MOS, you're gonna get on the gun line and you're gonna put in that work. So I had a great time while I was there. So kudos on that, right? Artie, party with Artie. Uh, but going on to what you said after that was. Throughout your time in the Marine Corps, you were given opportunities in these billets, which I think is beautiful because uh, then you're able to actually branch off and really be a leader. And like you said, lead, inspire and mentor others. I think that's like the meat and potatoes of, of the military is where you can really grow as a person and really influence others. And then you get to transition and then you put yourself in another position, which I think a lot of military members miss when they transition out is I want to be able to lead and have an impact on others. And I think that you're doing that now, which is awesome that you get to keep fulfill, fill that uh, feeling of fulfillment. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was, like I said, that, that was, I, I think I had kind of that, you know, moment of realization too, when, you know, I used to ask Marines when I was um, you know, a staff and CEO or, you know, senior enlisted, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind of like a gotcha question type. And because um, I wanted to challenge them to to think beyond their first four years or, you know, week to week or whatever it was, uh, whatever, you know, season of their life that they were in, to think longer and deeper and, and, and further ahead and start planning and getting to that mindset. And one day I had a Marine, I'll never forget it. She goes, well, first of all, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was kind of knocked back off of my heels and was like, I have no clue. <laughs> um, but I knew what I liked to do. I knew what I enjoyed. Uh, I knew what I was fairly successful at. I just didn't know how to articulate that or how that would translate into, you know, the civilian workforce or into a civilian job. Um, and that was, you know, 
probably one of the biggest struggles of my transition too is trying to figure out, you know, I, I thought it was consulting. I thought it was, you know, a bunch of different things and trying to figure out what that was and how I could best add value and, and contribute to, you know, people's individual um, personal and professional success and growth. So, um, and then through a lot of reflection I think I lost and, and a, a lot of luck, and, and good fortune, I would say, I was put in, in contact with a lot of great people who have helped me along. And then also through a lot of reflection, I actually sat back and thought about like all the times before the Marine Corps when um, oh, you know, I was presented with the opportunity to help people or, or um, you know, make something better or improve something or, you know, just be there for somebody and how good that made me feel. And how, um, you know, it, it felt like I was doing, you know, something that wasn't difficult. It might have been, you know, inconvenient at the time, whatever it may be. But um, it felt really good to be able to help people out. And, and that's kind of the overarching. You were speaking on, uh, you know, when someone asks you, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then you... Uh... So you, you tied it into your transition a little bit, right? Yeah. So, um, so I was able to figure out, you know, through reflection and looking back on all the times where I was able to help people out, um, and and figuring out that some of the most beneficial times for both me and the people that I was helping out um, were those one-on-one coaching sessions, or or anytime I was doing consulting with um, you know Marine on. Uh, operations or planning something or, you know, providing guidance or mentorship. And it's always been like not saying that I was a subject matter expert, but I found ways to, you know, make myself available and, and add value and contribute to whatever efforts or, or whatever it was that they were doing. So um, that's been something that, that you know, it, it keeps me going and, and it, it puts gas in my tank, as I say. So um, that's, that's kind of why I'm here doing what I'm doing now. That's beautiful. So was that always the case or was that something that you built over time from when you first joined the Marine Corps? Um, so again, you know, I had to kind of look back. So like my first job, like wasn't even a, um, a real, I guess it was a real job, but you know, I was parking cars and working a concession stand at a bingo place <laughs> in Danville. It's like right there on the North Carolina border. And, um, one of the guys who's my friend's dad is named Sam Zare. Um, and he's an immigrant from Israel. Um, and I look at him, he's like, you know, my second dad, because I mean, this guy, his son, Shane and I, we went to school together and this guy was like the epitome of, of a hustler. And he just, he, his work ethic was something that, you know, to this day, when I think of somebody who has a, an excellent work ethic, I compare them to Sam and, you know, he was a general manager of a restaurant. He had food trucks. He used to do catering. He did, you know, he had his, he, he was just always on the grind. And um, I got the opportunity to help people out there, you know, and then going on. I mean, I worked at McDonald's. I worked in a textile mill. Um, you know, I've done janitorial work, but it wasn't always about the work. It was about the people that I worked with or the people that I was, I was helping or that I was working for. Um, providing a service to and the feeling that I got when I was able to help somebody out or, you know, make something right. Um, I was like, man, okay, well, I guess this has kind of been my thing all along. Um, and then being able to get in front of people and speak publicly and, and articulate, you know, what it is I'm trying to get across and it not sound, you know, like I, I, I was you know, mumbling through my words or, or whatever. I mean, I mean I enjoyed it, um, and it didn't make me nervous at all. So once I discovered that, it was game on. So, um, so do you find it? I mean, I'm assuming you find it simple and over time easier to to do such thing. And in the current business and work that you're doing now, uh, tell me about what kind of uh, I guess coaching and mentoring you're doing for these individuals. So, um, uh, you know, it depends, right? So a lot of the the coaching clients that I have that are just strictly coaching clients it's up to them. Um, you know, every session is different and every time 
I get on the call with them, you know, we're not necessarily picking up where we left off from the last call. So, you know, um, I'll start off with, you know, some back and forth and basically like, so what's on your mind? You know, what's going on? How's your week been? You know, and spur that conversation. Like, so what are some of your challenges? What are some things? And then start asking some of those, some, some questions that are going to help them. I'm not giving them answers and I'm not giving them solutions. I'm helping them uncover and discover their own solutions or their own answers uh, or pathways to, to figuring out what it is they want to accomplish or they want to improve. Um, and that way there's some ownership there um, in, in that, that process that I'm not the one that's, that's providing this. You're actually, you know, providing it as a client or as the leader, whoever it is I'm coaching. And then the consulting piece, I mean, it can be anything from, you know, I have one client that I do, um, you know, both coaching and business consulting and, and help him out with, you know, whether it's finances, whether it's process improvement, whether it's, you know, um, integrating certain platforms or, or things that he already has in place and using them to their, their full capability to, to actually help him improve, you know, and increase revenue. Um, and that's he's he's kind of like the the total package. Um, and then some of the other clients that we have, you know, we do digital services through Google Business Profile and uh, Google Business Profile ads and local service ads. And I optimize their accounts and their ad campaigns for them to help their businesses grow and and to help their you know their digital footprint increase. Um, and again, that's people always say, well, you know, that's it seems like it's kind of boring or, or whatever, but when I get on those performance calls every month with these clients or, you know, if they call me about something and I'm, I'm teaching them, I'm helping them learn about how to do, you know, Google ads or how to, uh, you know, do SEO optimization on their, you know, Google business profile. Um, and that feels good because I'm helping them grow and I'm helping the business grow and I'm helping, you know, them um, increase their livelihood. So and it's fulfilling work. Oh, I can imagine. I definitely agree with you. I feel like even though in the Marines, I definitely felt this a lot, but as I transition now, I feel like I'm in a stage of my life where I feel now more than ever, I truly believe that if I'm helping others, whether it be something little, something big, helping them with their business, helping them in personal growth, I feel like I get a fulfillment out of that. But then I truly feel because I'm out there, I'm putting all this good juju into the universe. And I truly feel that something something's going to reciprocate back to me in the same form. Um, right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So um, my wife and I have this, I don't know where I got it from, but we always say, you know, you, you got to put stuff in the karma bucket because you never know, you know, um, when you might need something out of that bucket. And I, I think that's, you know, holistically thinking about it from that perspective, whether it's, you know, giving money to somebody who's in need or, you know, donating or, or doing whatever it is that you're doing um and not expecting anything in return right because i truly don't like i don't i don't expect anything in return and like um like i said a lot of these coaching clients that i have i think it's like four or five of them they're free like it's all voluntary right i do it because i'm i'm, I'm wanting to to truly add value and to help them um you know get better at whatever it is that they're doing or or improve a certain part of their life um, and just to be able to be afforded the opportunity to do that I think is a very humbling and very uh, you know noble challenge that I, I gladly accept so yeah I agree with that let me ask you this so I've been com- uh, coming in contact with this quite often and I, I, I want to pick your brain on this right so whether you it's being excuse me, whether it's you being a friend, uh, someone to talk to, a consultant, so, someone you're talking to, a client, you know, throw it across the board. But a lot of times, yes, they're going to take that advice and they're going to take what you're saying with a grain of salt and it's going to turn out for the better. What about the individual who you feel like you're beating them in the head with some knowledge and nothing's coming across, the changes aren't happening? Tell me about an experience that you had like that. So yeah, I definitely had, um, I've had a couple of experiences like that. Uh, one particular that comes to mind and um, it was like when I first started, um, you know, I, I 
matter of fact, I think I was still on terminal leave and, you know, I was just grinding every day for this guy, uh, this client. And, and I mean, I was developing products and tools and templates and just painting over like constant back and forth. Like, here's what you need to do. Here's the, here's a template I created for you to utilize. And here's things that you need to do and put in place with your current employees and future employees and, and, you know, to help prevent that from happening and did nothing, absolutely nothing, didn't implement anything. And then it was just constantly like, um, you know, negative, like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so where I'm still having this problem or this is still an issue. I'm like, well, what about this? Or what about that? You know, have you implemented any of the things that I've given you or, or any of the things I've provided you? And the answer was always no, right? So I learned, I had to learn, and luckily I learned quickly that just because you're providing, you know, insight, perspective, tools, products, and, you know, it's ultimately up to them to implement those things and they have to want it and have to want to use it and want to get better um, in order for it to be effective, right? And you can only do so much short of doing the work for them, which that's not my job and I'm not inclined to do that. Um, <laughs> exactly. But um, it is frustrating, but I, I had to learn, you know, it's kind of like when you, you tell, you know, a Lance Corporal or, or you know, a staff or somebody like, hey, listen, th these are the things that you're telling me you're having problems with. Here's some recommendations I have for you. And then they take none of your recommendations and, you know, their situation continues to degrade and get worse. You can't take that personal, right? Because ultimately it's up to them. So, uh, you know, I've kind of had to learn that lesson the hard way. Um, and I, I make that very clear now up front. Listen, I'll, I'll give you 100% every single time we talk every day. Um, you know, I'm going to do everything I can do in my power to help you find a solution or, or grow and get better uh, in whatever area you want to do. But ultimately it's up to you to to have that same amount of ownership and work ethic in, in helping me work with you. So um, that's that's something that I've, I've also had to deal with. Oh yeah, it's, it's been killing me lately. I'm not gonna say names on the podcast, but if they're <laughs> listening, they know who, who I'm talking about, but it's at least two people in my life where I feel like you know I'm walking them to the water and I'm showing them how to drink and they don't wanna drink. And then over and over after they're thirsty, right? They're like, man, I'm so thirsty. And I'm explaining, hey, it's right here, bro. This is what we got to do. Yeah. You just got to start taking accountability and ownership. And then they complain when nothing happens because they're not listening to me. And it comes to a point where I'm like, how much more can I give? Am I, in an, am I enabling them by just keep talking to them and, and nothing's happening? Like at that point, I kind of feel lost and I don't have an answer. Like Ooh. I can't help you any more than I'm already trying unless you're ready to help yourself. Right. And it's definitely uh, nerve wracking. It is frustrating. I'll tell you, and, and you know, from a resilience standpoint, right? I look at that and say, okay, well, you know, we used to call it a leadership challenge in the Marine Corps. Like you got a problem individual that just can't seem to get right. And like, oh, that, that person's a leadership challenge. Well, I take that, that term literally, right? Because it's a challenge to me as a leader, as a coach, as a consultant, as whatever. Um, and it helps me be more resilient to those types of frustrations and those challenges because now I'm curious to know why this individual is not taking the advice or, you know, not utilizing the tools that I'm giving them. And now I'm starting to dig deeper and trying to learn and figure out, okay, you know, everything from, you know, what are your habits like and, um, you know, what's the history with this type of situation or, you know, I, I just, it just makes me even more curious to, because I, I, I don't want to give up. I want to continue to keep working and figuring out where that that button is that nobody's ever pushed before that's going to be the thing that turns them on and gets them going in the direction they need to be going. And that challenge, you know, that's a challenge that I, I, I look forward to um, and I enjoy. Oh, yeah. I, I can relate for sure. So I'll, I'll bring up this quick story. Uh, during my last tour, before I got out the Marine Corps, you know, recruiting duty, had my own team. Uh, one thing that I remember was from what you just said was leadership challenge. I yeah. remember the commanding officer says, hey, I'm sending you to this team. Even though your team is doing fine, we're going to switch you over to this team. They're doing terrible. You're going to turn it around because you got what it takes. And I'm like, oh, I love a challenge. Let's do it. 
brother, I tell you, this was the hardest part of my life. Like <laughs> nothing was this hard, uh, but taking a, a bunch of Marines, you know, senior Marines, whether the sergeants and staff sergeants, but they're both like disgruntled on the duty, don't want to do this anymore. And I had to turn them from losers to winners. And I couldn't bring the same approach I always did. Mm-hmm. That same cup of tea of leadership that I brought to the table was not having it. And in my head, I was like, well, this is what I've always done. This has always helped people. This has always helped me. And why is it not working? And I tell you, it probably took like a year to figure everything out. And it was the most growing I've done in my career where I was like, wow, this is something different. But then to, on the other side, to see it actually turn out into something good, uh, the team finally winning. Uh, we still disgruntled. However, we were killing it. Uh, it was definitely the challenge, most challenging leadership challenge I had in my in my life. To that point, you know, I, I think that kind of reiterates uh, what you will hear people say about leadership over and over and over again. It's never about you. It's always about those that you lead. So you have to look at it and go, you know, not what am I doing? You know, there are times where you, you, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? What can I be doing better? But a lot of times you look at it and go, okay, what is it about these individuals that I'm attempting to to lead towards a, a common goal or objective that I don't know that I'm missing that maybe they are reluctant to you know tell me about or disclose you know and then it comes back to you like okay is it a trust issue is it because maybe they don't trust me or they think maybe I have ulterior, like there are all these different circumstances and, mm-hmm. and situations contextually that you as a leader, like, yes, it is a challenge, but it's not necessarily what you may or may not be doing immediately. It's what you may or may not know. And you're not asking the right questions, I guess, um, or you're not showing or, or giving enough sometimes. So I've found that to be the case more often than not too, right? Um, especially as a, as a 89-99, a first sergeant or, or a senior listed leader, you know, there's always a bit of apprehension and, and um, you know, standoff. You know, when I go from one place to another as a first sergeant and one unit to another, people are like, oh, you know, they have this stereotypical image of what they expect or what, what I'm going to be like or the type of individual I'm going to be based off of my position, title, rank, whatever you have. And um, I kind of feel, um, I tell you, it's kind of, it's fun to me, but at least it was um, to kind of surprise people and be like, listen, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get down like that. Like that's, I'm not that guy. Right. And and, And starting off by telling people my mission is your success, period. Like I'm here to support you in any way that I can. I'm not the mission, my prerogatives, my you know, agenda is not the mission. You are the mission, your success is, your, is the mission and I'm here to support that. So whatever I can do to support you, you know, whether it be paid, you know, promotions, whatever it is, that's what I'm here for. And a lot of people are kind of taken back like, what are you trying to do a Jedi mind trick on me right now? Like, is this like, when are you going to start talking about drill and hands and pockets and haircuts and all that? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm really not. Um, Cause like, that's, it doesn't have to be if, you know, what I'm about. Um, I'm about you getting better and improving and being a better human being and, and in turn becoming a better Marine and being better at whatever it is you get paid to do. So, um, and I've kind of taken that outlook um, with the business too, because a lot of people think, you know, this person's going to, you know, they're going to charge me thousands of dollars and um, they're going to, you know, try and come in and tell me how messed up things are and leave me a report or tell me, hey, this is what I found and then go away. And, and that's it. Like, no, that's not how I get that. That's not how I do business, which a lot of people are kind of taking, taking it back by. But anyway, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think at face value, I mean, got my time in the military, most E8s, E9s for certain star majors is exactly that. It's that that face of, hey, on the surface, I'm about to hold these standards. I'm about to yell at you about certain things, but I'm never going to get uh, down to the nitty-gritty with individual Marines. Uh, a lot of times you hear, and I hated this, uh, you know, I'm not going to get promoted anymore. I'm already made it to the top. So what's it matter? And I was like, okay, well, at that point, you should be helping everyone else right. catch up to you. <laughs> Uh, right. But a lot of times, you know, maybe they're in it for the wrong reasons, but, but going, I'm sorry, but but going on the other side is like, yeah, as you're doing what you're doing, 
I think it's easy to for somebody on the outside think, thinking that, right? That this guy's coming in here to wreck shop, charge me a bunch of money, and tell me how I'm, how I'm messed up, just like a, a sergeant major or a first sergeant would tell right. me, hey, messed up, fix it right here. So having that different approach, you know, setting yourself apart. I think you would you were telling me before, like I'm not, I wasn't your average first sergeant, and I think yeah. uh, Christopher Jose told me the same thing. He was like, hey, he's not the average first sergeant. So what 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 made you be that? Um, so it's interesting. Um, I used to tell people like, and it wasn't true, but I was like, I haven't changed my style of leadership since I was a corporal. And of course that's not, it's not totally true, but the way I look at what a leader's responsibilities are, whether I was in charge of three other people on the back of an ammo truck as an ammo team chief, or I was in charge of, you know, 700 and something Marines at, 70 ESB or whatever it could have been, right? The mission and my purpose was always to serve them, you know? And I took that as like the overarching, like if what I'm doing is not serving those that I'm leading, I shouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll, you know, case in point, People would come out for, you know, formation, liberty formation, or, you know, do like a safety brief or something like that. And people, you know, a lot of, you know, individuals that were uh, first sergeants or sergeants majors would always talk about the negative stuff or, um, you know, the statistics and, and, you know, a bunch of like things that Marines already knew and were tired of hearing about, right? And, um, a guy named Thomas Russo, who was my first sergeant, um, he started, you know, we were doing, he was showing me kind of, you know, stuff to do as a first sergeant when I first got selected and I was in Hawaii. And uh, he goes, you know, I never talk about negative things in formation with the Marines. I never bring up liberty issues or any of this stuff. I always talk about positive, how they're doing good. He's like, because 90% of them are doing just that. They're doing the right thing. They're doing great. And they don't want to hear about the other stuff. And I was like, wow you know <clears throat> absolutely um that's one thing that that i kind of you know try to to keep in mind and then another one like you know a lot of times marines would uh they get in trouble and they have to go see the first sergeant or sergeant major or whatever to go through their njp package or get counseled or whatever and it was always like a yelling thing or like very very dramatic and and very emotional and they were you know expecting to get screamed at yelled at demeaned whatever you want to call it and i was like I'm, uh listen i'm i don't i don't take this part i don't think you did what you did to get at me so i'm not gonna like i don't, I don't take it personal i'm a facilitator of the process at this point so i'm gonna facilitate this process but at the end of the day, I'll need you to know that I'm still here for you before incidents, during incidents, and after incidents, because again, my goal is to make you better. And clearly there's a deficit somewhere. And me yelling at you or, you know, telling you how bad you messed up is not gonna help that, right? Because you already know. Um, and that whole mindset and that that way to approach people, um, I think was one of the things that kind of, you know, separated me or maybe somewhat different from my peers in those instances. And, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of times, I mean, there, there've been several occasions where I was, you know, kind of picked, I won't say picked on, but like, you know, I was targeted and, and like, you know, labeled as someone who was, you know, a lover or, you know, Oh, uh, you know, you you hand out milk and cookies, or you're always you you know buddy buddy, or you're too friendly, or you're the nice first sergeant, or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, I'm just treating people like human beings, and I'm 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 showing them how to be respectful, and showing them that not everybody with the same rank and title and position is the same. Um, you know, and there are actually people out there that care and and understand that if you take care of people, the people will take care of the mission, right? Period, and there it is. And if 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 <laughs> trust me, um, if you go out of your way, I'll tell you why a lot of people are hesitant to do that is because of self preservation, right? They say, well, if I'm if I'm too giving or I'm too trustful or I'm too this or too that, then I could get taken advantage of or I could lie to. And I always tell leaders, you know, especially most times it was like young lieutenants or NCOs or whatever people who were leading in that capacity for the first time. 
you're going to get lied to. You're going to get taken advantage of. You're going to get duped. You're going to, so get over it. It's going to happen. People are going to make you look stupid and that's okay. It's not personal, right? But if you lead and conduct yourself in fear of that happening, number one, you're being, um, you know, you're not being authentic. And number two, you're stifling any kind of growth or development or or leadership that you may have. And you're leaving so much, um, you know, on the table. You're not you're not really um, putting it all out there. You're not really giving everybody 100 percent. And I just felt like that was fake. I don't want to be a fraud. So I think that's probably some of the the, the key highlights of what I felt made me made me different. Yeah. And I love that because in my short 11 years in the Marine Corps, I feel like I started developing leadership early, quickly. But because of my, uh, I guess, my leadership, I, I came across of, hey, I need to scream. I need to be stern and I, I need to tell people what to do. And I'm, I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to be soft. I'm going to get it done. And as I grew up into a staff sergeant, I realized, you know what, uh, I'm doing those same things and uh, it's not working. This right. is not happening. Not everybody's going to react the same way. And it was hard because it was a hard part of me to let go that, to realize like, hey, these sergeants and staff sergeants are expecting to get that ass chewing. And, uh, and it's, they already know what's coming. So it doesn't change anything. It doesn't make them do the right thing. And for me to let that go and realize, OK, number one, maybe I shouldn't communicate like this. Maybe I should sit down and have that conversation. Kneecap to kneecap instead of just blowing off my top every single time. Uh, but once I was able to do that, I realized that I... I I cut my leadership short early in the years because that's all I knew was to set it off, sit down, fix yourself. And this is how you're going to get better. Instead of saying, Hey, you know what? Like you said, you didn't uh, physically hurt me with what you did, which, but, but what you're doing is messed up. So this is how we're going to fix it. Right. And I always look back and I'm like, man, if only somebody pulled me to the side and I was like, Hey brother, you don't got to scream after you're a corporal anymore. Like you can slow it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not what you say it's how you say it. Even now, you know, and, and at, at the ripe old age of 41, you know, you find a way to, to articulate things and to communicate things to people. And I always, I always tell, you know, the leaders, especially new leaders, like it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks about you and your leadership style. The only thing that should matter is, is, is it effective? Is what you're doing effective? Because if it's not effective, if it's not working, you need to do something different, right? And if you think that because you're yelling, there's a difference between somebody being compliant and and someone just, you know, doing what you said because you told them to do it. That's positional power, right? And then someone following you, yeah. someone wanting to, to, to be with you and learn from you. And in order for people to want to learn from you, you have to teach them something. And you can't teach them anything if you're yelling and screaming and acting like a jackass. So, yep. <clears throat> so with your time, you did say that you had a couple, I guess, of your peers who who mentioned it, like you know, he's uh, taking care of the troops too much, milk and cookies and whatnot. Yeah. Did that ever make you want to change your ways, or did you stick to it the whole time? No, but well, yeah, I did stick to it the whole time, and it, and there were so there were times. I think when I was a combat instructor, there were times where, um, you know time is is not your friend right and um anyone who's ever been, not saying that there's there are similarities between being a drone instructor and a combat instructor um but they are not the same and um you know you have a training schedule you have places you have to be and whether you have you know 440 marines or you know 120 recruits whatever it is you have to be able to communicate things in a expert you know, expedited manner so that everyone understands it, hears it. So you have to be loud, right? But you're not demeaning. Um, you have to be very clear with what you're asking people to do. But no, I, I didn't. Um, I saw that as an opportunity to start asking what I call rhetorical questions, right? Like, really? Oh, yeah, milk and cookies. Okay. Well, like, what kind of problems are you having? Like, what, what issues do you have in your company? So what are you dealing with and how are you fixing it? it? Are you fixing it by you being the unapproachable asshole or are you fixing it by trying to actually earn trust and respect from people that may be in a position to actually affect and influence change quicker than you, someone who is you know, from the point of friction? 
oh, well, you just basically demanding and, and telling people what they should and shouldn't do and how messed up they are. It's not effective. And that's where it would come back to be like, that's great that that's how you've been successful. You personally have been successful, but I would promise you that the amount of people that I've worked with are probably far more successful because of me being this way than had I been like you. Right. And again, I take that as a challenge for me to, it's an opportunity for me to help someone reflect and say, okay, well, just because you personally have been successful career wise or, or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that number one, that's going to continue to be the key to your success. And number two, that you were as successful as you could have been had you done things differently. And I don't claim to be like the expert on leadership or anything like that. Um, but I will tell you the things that I've yeah. done in the ways that I have led have been successful, I think. Um, and and I, I feel like that, you know, I, I took it as, a, as an opportunity to help people kind of see that there's a different way. There's a better way. Um, and if they choose to, to, to do that, then great. If they don't, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't really bother me, I would say. Okay. I think, I think it's great that you were able to stick to, you know, being true to yourself because at the end of the day, like you said, you know, the two people, whether they're Marines or they're just managers, you, you, you put them in any position at the end of the day. Yes. There's going to be a win. Hopefully there's a win. There's a victory at the end, but I think the leadership portion is people are going to remember how you felt, make them felt and yeah. how, what they thought about you. Like those two things tied together, I think is pretty much the definition of leadership because you can't look in the mirror and say, I'm a leader and this is why I think the people who are underneath you and were with you in the trenches, they're the ones going to give you the definition of, of what kind of leader you were. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's, that's really my piece on leadership because I always, I always go back to it. I'm like, I can't look myself in the mirror just because I look good in my uniform or just because I think I'm doing the right thing at work that I'm doing the right thing. It's all those, the, the impacts that I leave, leave on everybody, those seeds that I leave with them. That is a true reflection of who I am and what am I doing? Right. And I, I mean, the, the challenge to that is, is, is it takes longer, right? You have to get to know people and you have to earn trust and you have to be consistent with how reliable you are for those people in need. Um, and then growth is painful, right? You know, having, giving people the opportunity to learn, to make mistakes, to grow, um, it's not pleasant. And it, you have to have patience, you have to have you know, compassion. And those are things that are not typically um, <laughs> highly favored in the military and particularly the Marine Corps, um, because it's all about right now. I need you to do this right now. And I don't have time for questions or maybe I do have time for questions, but I don't have time for it right now. Um, but in order to get people to do that, you know, discipline, discipline obedience to orders, right? There has to be some trust there. And that's where it starts. You know, <laughs> if you haven't earned that trust and if you haven't trusted gotcha. and given trust, I mean, you're, you're basically, um, you're, you're, you're flying the plane in the dark with no radar. You know, it's only a matter of time for you crash. Okay. I think we're good. It froze up a little bit, but I heard you. Uh, segue into my next question, right? So for anybody who's in a position similar to yours, whether they're in the Marines still, they're in the service and they're in a new leadership position, a new leadership challenge. Maybe they started their new job after they transitioned, or maybe they never served in the military, but they're in a position now they have people underneath them and they're having difficulties with that new position or that, that new taste of leadership. What's some uh, primary advice you would give to them? Um, that's a great question, man. Um, so what I would always, I, I would tell people and, and I would, you know, make a practice to do myself is to start building relationships immediately right with anybody and everybody it doesn't matter if they're you know above you but you know in a position lower than yours um start building and making relationships um genuine like going where people are meeting people where they're at um introducing yourself offering any kind of support or help that you can um and then when somebody comes to cash that check have it and, and be there and deliver right um i i tell people and I, i've told people for years 
you know, you always hear the open door policy or, um, you know, I'm, I'm always here if you need, let me know if you need anything, you know, I'm always available, whatever. Um, and the one time someone comes to you and they, they cash that check and you deflect or you say, hey, look, I got this going on. Can you come back at this time or whatever? Guess what? Your credit, you know, hypothetically, metaphorically, or your credibility, more literally, is shot. Okay. So I, I would, you know, you can ask any of my company commanders that I ever worked for as a first sergeant during our initial counseling, I would tell them, you know, they, at the end, they'd say, okay, do you, do you have any, you know, anything for me or any questions? Like, yeah, I just need you to know one thing. If I have someone in my office that is there because they need help, they need guidance, they need mentorship, or I'm helping them with a problem and we have a meeting or a prior engagement, I'm either going to be late or I'm not coming. And the reason being is because if we tell Marines that they are the priority and we care about them, um, and they're a valuable asset, but we demonstrate something different, then we're a fraud. And I'm not gonna be a fraud. So I just need you to understand that. Um, and if that's a problem, then you know we can discuss it further. Um, and I've never had anyone like if anyone you know ever asked one of my company commanders and said, you know, well, where's your first on it? Oh, he's he's helping Marine, or he's you know doing whatever kind of hard to refute that like well he needs to be here well what he's doing is way more important than sitting through a DERS meeting or you know the, the legal limb do like it, it it command and staff like it what that's that's way more important than those things and and having that type of mindset and and kind of making those types of priorities a priority and keeping them a priority and demonstrating that Every time you get the opportunity to help someone or be there for someone to support somebody, you do it without question, right? Uh, that would be the first thing is building and maintaining those relationships. Um, the second thing is, is regardless of what the perception or the pressure may be to be a certain type of leader, do some search some self-searching, right? Some soul searching, some reflection, um, and figure out what type of leader you want to be and never compromise on that, right? No matter what. It may be painful. It may not go over so well with those that, you know, want you to be a certain type of way or, you know, want you to have certain types of, of opinions about, how to treat people, how to communicate, how to accomplish tasks. But I will tell you that in the long run, you will be way more successful. Um, you will be able to influence and make more positive change if you decide that this is who I want to be as a leader, this is what I want to be about, and never compromise off of that, right? And make no qualms about communicating that to, to your next up, you know, whoever you're reporting to directly and be very candid about it. Um, because I think there's a certain amount of respect that, that is undeniable when you are able to articulate and communicate who you are as both as a person and as a leader and the things that you are willing to and not willing to compromise on. Um, so I think those are probably the, the you know, the two biggest um, pieces of advice that I could give to new um, leaders or people in a new leadership position. That's solid. That's solid. That's really well said. Definitely agree with uh, continuing to build rapport with those relations and be ready to cast that check. That's like, that's number one for me. So I agree with you with that completely. Right. Now, as we start to wrap things up, is there anything that you want to ask? Anything that you still want to cover? No. Um, so I, I, you know, I, when I looked at your, uh, your podcast and it was like resilience in the rocks, right? So resilience is a big part of what I, I try to, uh, you know, help leaders, whether it's business leaders, organizational leaders instill into their organizations or their business, you know, and, um, sometimes every now and then people will say, you know, well, 
how are you, you know, how did you become resilient or how are you, what do you do, you know, in a, and we kind of touched on it before, right? Um, growing up the way that I did, I didn't know it, but I was, I was being developed. And like, trust me, like it wasn't the hardest, you know, that anybody's ever had it by a long shot. Like I knew I was loved by my family and, and, but there were definitely some tough times and some things that I experienced at an age, you know, like I started having kids when I was 16 and I dropped out of high school in my junior year, and, you know, um, had a pretty, pretty, pretty jaded past and, and um, you know, some pretty interesting experiences before joining the Marine Corps that definitely made me more resilient. Um, I don't know. I, I think being able to look at what you've done previously and, and how far you've come as opposed to looking at, you know, the challenges that you face you know, today and, and, and looking at those things that you've accomplished and being able to say, okay, you know what, I've made it through X, Y, and Z or I've accomplished X, Y, and Z. Um, I can definitely get through this, right? I think that's a skill and that's something that, um, it's not easily done. And even myself, I mean, I, I'm not the most resilient person. Like, I have everybody has hard times, especially. I'm going to tell you right now, transition from the Marine Corps. Like, I still struggle with some of the aspects of that. Um, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing. Like, it's, people always ask me, like, um, <laughs> what does it feel like? And I just, you know, the first, like, five, six months, I'm like, it just feels weird. And it, it, you can't really explain it, right? Because you go from 100 miles an hour to, you know, I went from being a company first sergeant, you know, or, you know, being a Marine to working in a home office doing, you know, on a computer 90% of my day. That wasn't what I was used to. And uh, that transition was difficult. Um, you know, looking at the, the challenge with finding employment or, you know, trying to find employment that was fulfilling or trying to find something that, you know, you felt like you were qualified enough to do and, and charge people, you know, a certain amount of money to offer your talent, your skills, your knowledge, whatever it is, um, and still feel like, I don't even know if I'm qualified to be, be doing whatever it was, you know, but I say that because there are certain times when we have to stop and just stop doing whatever it is you're doing and reflect and say, okay, what are some of the most challenging things that I have been through and got through and and won or been successful or didn't think I was going to make it out of? How did I make it out of that? What happened? And really, you know, dissecting that and then look at what you're currently dealing with. Say okay, is this better? Is this worse? Is it more difficult, less difficult? Who do I have now that can support me that I didn't have then in that situation? Um, and then execute. One of the greatest things that someone uh, told me, CJ Pearson, right? He was a uh, using my company first start in in um, in kilo battery, and then again I worked with him at Combat Instructor School. He's my first start there as well. And I remember as a young staff sergeant, you know, I came in and I had this problem and, and you know, one of the Marines, whatever. And he's like, okay, so what's your plan? And that he always used, that was the first thing he would say to me when I, he was like, what's going on? And I tell him what the problem was. And he's like, all right, so what's your plan? That mentality for me takes you from being a victim of your circumstances to an active participant and being more proactive. And say, okay, this is your challenge. Now, what's your plan? What are you going to do about it? You know, and it took the ball to the back of my, my in my hands, and it forced me to to be resilient and to be more, you know, optimistic and aggressive and offensive as opposed to defensive, right? More proactive as opposed to reactive. Um, but you know, even when I look back, I was like, all right, when you growing up or you know, before the Marine Corps and, and, you know, 
not knowing where you were going to live or, you know, sleeping on people's couches, you know, or, or whatever it was, like walking to work five miles one way every day or riding a bicycle to work or whatever it was, you know, like struggling, grinding just to get by, just to feed your kids or, or take care of, like, and now look at where, you know, the challenges I'm facing now are completely different than the stuff I was facing then. And I still made it out of that stuff. How, you know? Um, so I think that's something that we, we often forget. We forget about all those things that we overcame to get to where we are because it was like a stoplight. You know, people, you sit at a stoplight, it turns green, you go through it. You don't think about that stoplight no more, right? It's the same way with challenges in life, that, you know, what's professional, personal. Once you get through that stoplight, you don't think about that no more. So it's been beneficial to, Think about the stoplights. <laughs> like, all right, let me yeah. see here. <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that. But because uh, for me, resiliency is, you know, the ability to bounce back and how you go about doing it. Right. So like you said, uh, with past events, you know, I, I have my events. I believe everyone has their own set of events and, and they're not going to be more or less, you know, if you put them on a scale, your events is not, you know, irrelevant to my events. It's just I'm the only one who's going through my event. Just like you're the only one who went through yours. But I think the ability to to not give up and start planning, say, you know, how am I going to go through this, is the is your level of resilience, and that's how you build upon that. You don't just wake up and say, hey, I found resilience. No, you got to go through it, and it's always gonna. It's, some of it's planned, some of it's not planned, and you got to be ready for it. And then moving forward is like when you hit that new level of, uh oh, what do I do now? The ability to look back and look at your past events, I think I I don't always think about that. I, it definitely you know is in the back of my mind. But I never go back to think, well, well, when this was going on, I was able to do this, no problem. And this is how I got through it. But when the current events are going on, I think it's easy to be like, oh, man, red flag. I don't know what to do. Things are about to fall yeah. apart. And I think that's scary. Like, just like you said, transitioning. Myself, it was the same exact way. Like, getting out was the most scariest and depressing and anxiety part of my life ever. And uh, I got through it. And I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Uh, however, I remember looking back to it and I thought the world was just going to crumble. And uh, it's crazy because I've gotten through crazier things than getting out the military. But to, to at that time, not thinking about it, you know, I was it was me looking and building that resilience in different ways. So I definitely agree with you on that, brother. So that's interesting. So uh, I, I will ask you a question then because, you know, we kind of shaking it up a little bit. So what are some of the things that you did to kind of help you through that, right, through that challenging time? Oh, yeah. So I love that. I love that you're asking me the question. No one ever asked me questions. So you're probably the yeah. first to come with yeah. some heat to me out of all these guests I had. So I like that. Yeah. I'll start with this. So one, uh, in the <laughs> in the environment I'm in, I'm constantly helping other veterans and I'm constantly giving them little tokens and nuggets and, hey, well, this is what you should do because other people are finding me as I was transitioning. Like I think one of my last episodes, I had a retired officer come up to me. I was at like one of the local pools uh, that summer. He said, hey, you getting out? Come over here. We got to chat it up. Added me on LinkedIn, gave me everything I needed to do. And he called me. He called me, on, hit me up on LinkedIn, say, hey, if you're not busy today, call me. We're going to talk. And he set up a time to, you know, mentor me. And I remember that. Oh, this is awesome. But yeah. outside of him, I had a lot of other people. I, w- I would say what helped me go through the anxiety, you know, being depressed and being like confused about, ch- you know, I guess it was identity issue, right? Leaving the military. Uh, what helped me was my community, my village. Uh, the fact that my wife, she's a, she's a veteran as well. She was uh, in the Navy 10 years. And then all my surrounding friends in Virginia I mean, my family's not really from Virginia. I have a couple of aunts out here. However, my family was my military family so that my community was real tight that they knew that there was no room for failure. They knew that, you know, anything I was going through, they had my back. So that, in that aspect, I'd never felt alone, even though internally I was like, man, I'm the one going through the transition. This is scary. At this point, most of them are already out the military. So their transition was smooth in my eyes. I, don't, I never look back. I'm like, well, what were you thinking when you were getting out? So that's that's one part, right? The other part I would say is being proactive. Like I'm, not, I'm talking about don't make mm-hmm. a resume and send out a bunch of LinkedIn job applications because I could tell you right now, and you probably know, it's like you send out 300 of those, you'll be lucky yeah. to get five phone calls back. Uh, but networking, yeah, networking that. was my biggest thing as I transitioned. I remember I went to every single job fair within like probably like a 30-mile radius. I didn't care what it was. I was there. Any type of event, any type of... Uh, speaking any 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 i guess uh interaction i could get with anybody who was either a already transitioned or two in a position where they can help me transition 
I was out there and I wasn't just sitting at home thinking about, oh, I won't get out the ring or whatever. No, nah, I was I was really proactive and I think that helped me the most. But I was I was the same way in the military. I was the same way most of my life. It's like, okay, what do I do now? I got to start planning. So I think uh, planning, finding that environment, being proactive, having that networking key. Networking is always going to be key. That that really helped me. Uh, but then on the other part, there was still the anxiety part. So, I mean, for me, what helped me the most was I started going to therapy for the first time in my life. Uh, I'm sure you know it's like yeah. being a Marine. It's like, don't go to the doctor because it shows you're weak. Don't go to the wizard because then you got something yeah. wrong with you and they're going to separate you. So yep. as soon as I let that chip go and I started sitting on therapy, I learned a lot about myself. As soon as I was able to, you know, that person sitting in the chair across from me and really, you know, let it go that they're actually there for, to help me and not just to judge me. I think I was able to learn a lot more about myself. Obviously, other things, you know, starting to control my drinking, because if you ever listen to my podcast episodes, I'm always talking about I had a drinking problem. And I mean, this is the first time I can say that I'm probably yeah. three weeks, almost three weeks with no alcohol. And I, I don't remember the last time I could say that Thank in like 12 God. years, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, the, in the military, it was normal and you don't realize that it was an issue yeah. because, you know, Marines born in a bar and you don't realize it until you get out and, you know, maybe you're not around your Marines all the time. And now you're still drinking the same way you were before. I'll tell you right now, I was, as I'm out now as a recruiter, I would show up to work. And even as the boss of the recruiting station, I would be in my office, throw a couple bag and start my day because it was just anxiety and the pressure of the mission. And that took a toll on me as I got out. So I think mm-hmm. once I started taking uh, control of that, everything started leveling out. Uh, doing the podcast helped right. everything. But there's so many things. I mean, I'm still growing now. I would I would say this is like my point of uh, resilience was making this podcast because I was going through the most and I wanted to hear other people's stories. And it kind of gave me a sense of, uh, hey, you're not alone because everyone else has their story and everyone else is going through their own version of uh, the, the oh shit, right? So that's really that, if that answers that question. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and I know we don't have time to get into it this time, but maybe maybe later. Um, but the way I transitioned, the way I exited the Marine Corps was not um, how I planned it. It was not the, uh, in the most, <clears throat> I would say favorable, how you would want to exit. Um, like I didn't, I didn't get like court martialed or NJP or none of that, but, but um you know, having to deal with that and, and, and looking at that and going, you know what, I would not have done anything different. And then still like having it creep in and go, okay, man, like you really messed that up. Like, and then be like, you know what though? No, man, like you, you were true to, to your Marines and you were true to, you know, who you are and, uh, and, and let the system be what it is. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's, you're right. My community, I like, I got, I got, you know, my, my fist full of friends that, that I, I, I can call them, you know, any time of the day. And if I needed anything and they, they check on me regularly, like we talk all the time. Um, I, you know, I'm blessed beyond measure. Right. Um, so I feel you on that for sure. Um, it's definitely, you know, not something that, it's really hard to plan for that that transition and like because you don't know what to expect everybody's experience is yep. so different you know and and you look at like you can do your budget you can look like, i don't know what my va rating is going to be i know what i'll get paid at retirement but i don't yeah. know what my va is going to be around you know you can plan a little bit but there's so many unknowns that you just can't it like it's like you feel like you can't do anything about it. like I'm just waiting for someone to make this decision and it's going to determine my outcome and my future. Um, so it's a very helpless feeling sometimes. Um, but, you know, I don't really I have my own opinions about control, but they say, you know, control what you can and then let the rest be what exactly. it's going to be. Control the, control the now. <laughs> you can't control the past. You can't control the future. I love that. But but I got to say, I agree right. completely. Yeah. So. I don't really talk too much about my transition, uh, but I will say the hardest pill to swallow is exactly what you said. It's like, oh man, if I would have done it like this, maybe I could have got, I could have stood, you know, maybe stood in the Marines a little bit more and do it this way. And, but then I look back and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of glad that chapter closed because one, I know that I had an impact on many Marines and many people to this day that still reach out to me. So I feel like, okay, boom, fulfillment is there. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
But on the other side, I mean, life is good. I don't got to wake up for crazy formation or do 15 minutes to 15 minutes and that's all gone. I miss the brotherhood every day. But like you said, that community that I have, it, it's it's a bunch of Marines, it's a bunch of service members. So that sense of uh, brotherhood is still there. And I don't I don't feel lonely in that aspect. So we're definitely on the same page with that. brother. Yeah. But as we close it out, man, yeah, man. Uh, I will say this. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's definitely an honor to have you uh, come on the show and speak your piece. Uh, but for the listeners, anybody who wants to follow you, find you on your website, use your services, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, Facebook page, uh, we got Proven Valve Professionals on Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, you know, I you drop my Calendly link. Um, I'm working on my website right now, so that'll be getting released here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, um, for sure, whether it's like I said, a lot of transition service members, they hit me up randomly and I don't charge anything for that. Like I, I give them, I got a checklist, I got a process for, you know, things that, you know, I wish I would have known and things to look into and, you know, where you can go for certifications, but it, it's a fire hose. There's so many, so many things out there now that it's kind of hard to figure out which one to pick and what to do, like, so providing insight or, you know, coaching, right? And people say, well, I, I really, I'm not having problems. What do I need to coach? Well, trust me. You look at the Fortune 100 and, and figure out Google how many of them actually have executive coaches. You'd be surprised. Um, you know, coaching services, consulting services, um, anything that, that I can do, you know, digital services, Google Business Profile, are you thinking about starting your own business? Um, or you started a business and you want to figure out how to get it out there and how people can find you, um, hit me up. You know, um, I'll do free 30 minute, you know, session to kind of see what you're dealing with and give you some some insight and some things you can do immediately. And then we'll go from there. You know, like it's again, I, I get I do this because I enjoy doing it and because I get fulfillment out of it um, and not because I'm trying to get rich and, and by no means. Um, so but yeah, thank thank you for this opportunity, man. This has been great. Um, I, you know, love to 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 get back on and, and hit some other things and some other topics you know, whenever, but yeah, this has been awesome. I, I can't for sure. For sure. We'll definitely get up again, but thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on Resilience on the Rock.